before you, thanking you for everything that we need in this life and and, uh, eternal life as well, that uh, if we have only hope in this life in Christ Jesus, we are above all men most miserable. So we thank you that we have good things in this life, a blessed life and eternal life besides. And there is an assurance there that cannot be taken away from us, Father. So we thank you for the covenant blessing of eternal life. And that life we live right now through the person of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and dwells in the heart of every born-again believer. And we thank you for that covenant blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, today we're going to talk about the fact that the blood stops them dead in their tracks. Amen. The blood stops them dead in their tracks. Turn to two people and say, Jesus, shut it down. Yeah. Jesus, shut it down. Amen. He shut down the works of darkness with his blood. The boldest act every any human being could ever do was to publicly take on the sin, an innocent person take on the sins of the world. And Jesus did it. And when he did that, he shut the devil down and he stopped him dead in his tracks. Amen. Stopped him dead in his tracks. So we're going to talk about the power of the blood and how that operates in in, uh, the fact that uh, God has made provision for everything. Amen. He's made provision for everything. And the one major provision that he's made for every human being ever born is for life to come through his blood. Amen. Eternal life to come through his blood. You need to understand that blood speaks eternally. Blood has a voice in the spirit world. The blood of Jesus, Hebrews says, speaks better things. Better things than what? Well, better things than any other blood that was shed. Better things than the devil's voice trying to talk over the voice of God to bring uh, discouragement, destruction, sickness, demonic oppression, and even death in our lives. So his blood always speaks better things, and we'll talk about how that happens. Genesis 9-4 tells us the life of any soul is in the blood. Now, the soul lives forever. But when the life of a person ends on this earth, then the blood is separated from the soul. So the blood really is where the life is, so the voice comes from the blood. Hmm? What did God say when Cain slew Abel? Abel, sorry about that. Genesis 4, if you go there, and you'll see it, and it's something that we, we know it's there. We probably don't think about it very much. God said in in Genesis 4.10, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So blood speaks eternally. Blood speaks in the realm of the spirit. Blood has a voice. So Abel, because he was innocent before God and uh, and was killed by his brother, His voice cried out to God for vengeance and recognition and a chance to live again. Now, this is very important. This is an important scriptural principle. 
I picked up a book several years ago written by a man. I think he's a Jewish man because he knows the Old Testament very well. You know, people, when they write books, they just give their name and, you know, you kind of try to figure out who they are. But the name of the book is And the Blood Cried Out. And I picked it up. It was like a 99-cent paperback. How many of you know God can talk to you to buy a 99-cent paperback? (laughs) Especially when you see a scripture in the title. You know, you get a little curious. And so, but this book was a story about DNA evidence. And he says that when people who are investigating crimes, especially murders, he says that he's talked to, he's a lawyer, he's talked to a lot of people investigating because he's a criminal lawyer. And he says that as he talks to policemen about cases they are investigating, he says over and over again the investigators will speak about the deceased as though they are able to talk to them. In fact, he said it is very common for them to sit down with the body of evidence that they have and they will begin to address the deceased and say, tell me what happened to you. Tell me who did this. So their voice is crying out for vengeance, another chance, some kind of life to live, for justice. And so they firmly believe that they are carrying out the wishes of this person whose life was taken unjustly. Which is scriptural because we see that Abel's blood cried out to God for that. And he said that one of the answers to this blood crying out is the DNA testing that they're able to do now. He said they're able to take cases from many years ago and find that because there wasn't the ability to test the blood for DNA many years ago, they find that oftentimes the evidence is still there. Now, why do you think people preserve evidence for so many years? Because they have no will to, to uh, discard of it and throw it away. Now, I don't work in law enforcement, but I know they have rules about evidence. And you would think, well, after a certain number of years, maybe, but they never seem to have anybody that has rules that will throw. Anybody know for sure about that? Do you know, Pam, about evidence? Okay, see, she said only finish cases. Hey! <laughs> huh? So if they haven't found the person who murdered someone, that case is still open and that blood is still talking. I know who did this to me and I have a way for you to find out. Take that that piece of hair that was found on my clothing and look at it and you'll find somebody who's maybe in the system that will be matched to this and you'll find the person that did this to me. Isn't that something? That their blood speaks. I want it to live and somebody took that away from me. And according to God's law, that's not right. See, in God's eyes, it's a life for a life. Huh? Because when that soul is, is departed, whoever is responsible for shedding that blood, huh? innocent blood, they have to pay a soul for a soul and a life for a life. And so God is very strict about these things, but the life you need to understand is in the blood, and it is the blood that has a voice. The blood is what speaks. Even when the soul is departed from the life force of the blood, blood still has a voice. 
So why do we need to know this? We need to know it because we need to understand that God is the creator of all life. And he gave every life meaning and every life purpose. And the blood carries the meaning and the purpose for that life. So until that purpose is carried out, that blood is not uh, uh, settled. The case isn't settled, in other words. It's still open until the purpose for that life is carried out. So God says that in, in Leviticus 17.11, it talks about his covenant, his old covenant with Israel. And how atonement was made for sin, and atonement had to be made through shed blood. You know that. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. When Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves with fig leaf, but God had to kill an animal and cover them with the skins of that animal, which was a temporary covering until the one who would pay for their sins would come. So every year... They had to go into the tabernacle. The high priest went into the holy of holies. And the Bible says not without blood. Because if he went there without blood, guess what would happen? Justice would meet him and he would die right there on the spot. So the earthly high priest had to go in the holy of holies once a year. After he cleansed himself in the outer in the uh, the holy place, he went into the holiest of all. After that, after cleansing himself, and he took blood in there for himself and for all the nation of people that he represented. And so that tabernacle stood until Calvary. And the Bible says, for this reason, the Son of God was manifest. Why? To stop the devil in his tracks and destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he was made known to us. He was made manifest. That means he was revealed to the whole world. Now, Israel always had a covenant of healing with God. Why? Because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. So the price was paid for our healing, and heaven knew about it. But in order for it to manifest freely on earth, some things had to happen. God had to pull someone who could pay the price and have blood that would speak better things. You know, the blood of bulls and goats that they used in the Old Covenant was never able to make you really know that you were forgiven. Huh? The Bible says that their consciences were never purged from dead works. So that every time you thought about your sin, you felt bad because your conscience still bugged you. Even though you carried out the law and you did what was right and all those kinds of things, your conscience still bugged you. Even those who are blood-bought know we have that problem sometimes. Some things that we do, unless we really, really understand and, and accept the power of the blood and let the voice of forgiveness cry out louder than any other voices talking to us, we can walk around in condemnation, wondering when we're going to feel better. Did I do this right? Or when am I going to do enough to, to get this guilt off of me and this bad feeling away from me? And so God had to send his sinless son, number one, to shed his blood on earth so that there would be a record on earth that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Once God gives his word for something, he definitely carries it out. So the, the fact that Jesus came was prophesied. He was going to come, period, because he had given his word that he was going to come.
And so as Jesus was, was on the earth, he walked and he talked as a man. But he wasn't any ordinary man. He was a sinless man and he was a son of God. He obeyed the law. He fulfilled the law so he could do away with it. So legalism, trying to do the right thing to get God to heal you, never works. Never works. Because the blood, if that were true, the blood of bulls and goats would have made Jesus' blood unnecessary. But they were never able to feel totally set free from guilt and condemnation for their, their sinful lives. Because that blood spoke, well, you're forgiven for a year. But next year you're going to have to do this all over again. So that's the best that the blood of a bull and goat could talk to them. That you've got a temporary fix for your permanent problem. And if you messed around and went out far enough in the wilderness and saw the scapegoat (laughs) that they put your sin on, you were reminded of it again. So there was always a reminder somewhere about what we did that, that disqualifies us from walking in divine health or disqualifies us from receiving from God until Jesus died on Calvary. And the Bible says that when he shed his blood and gave up the ghost and and committed his spirit into his father's hands, it says that temple, the holiest of all, the veil that they had, a 20-foot veil, was torn from the top down to the bottom, supernaturally, allowing the Holy Spirit out for everybody. Because that blood speaks better things. That blood speaks that you are totally forgiven. That blood speaks that healing is free to everybody. That blood speaks that deliverance is free. And that you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, if, if you did this right, or if you prayed enough, or if you confessed the word enough, or if you listened to the word long enough for God to heal you. It's not about legalism, it's about mercy now. And that's the one thing that the devil hates about Jesus, that his mercy endures forever. So when Jesus, amen, praise the Lord, when his blood was shed, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, let me go there real quickly with you. I don't have to do anything quick. God has time, doesn't he? Praise God. Amen. I get excited about things and I feel quick and God says, hey, you know, hey, be excited, bud. (laughs) <laughs> Let me in my time. Hmm? The atonement that's in the blood of Jesus is different than the temporary sacrifices that they had. In Hebrews chapter 9, the first uh, ten, 10 verses or so talk about the earthly tabernacle. And there was a, 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 behind the second veil, we talked about the place that was called the holiest of all. Well, in the, there was an altar there in that place. And they said the high priest went in there not without blood. So he sacrificed an animal so that he would have blood to offer to God for his own sins and for the sins of the nation of Israel. And the Bible says that when he went into this altar... He would place the blood on the mercy seat, which is a replica of the throne of God. The Bible says that there were two angels, cherubim, on either end of the mercy seat. And in the middle was the seat, and blood was placed on that seat to signify 
and a life was taken for the sins of these people to cover them until until what till you sinned again <laughs> hopefully until jesus came but that was a temporary covering the earthly tabernacle was a temporary thing to give them a picture of what was actually going on in heaven there is a real mercy seat in heaven And so when Jesus came, the Bible says he entered that heavenly tabernacle with his own blood. The earthly tabernacle, holiest of all, was done away with because the veil was torn up. So it was no longer possible for the high priest to do that earthly ministry because Jesus, the high, great high priest, did a finished work. So there's no need for a tabernacle anymore. There's no need for all of that anymore. You know, I wish sometimes we could talk to some of these Christians that keep going back wanting to pull out the Old Testament festivals, pulling out the old tabernacle, pulling out all of these things and trying to make you find some significance in that. There is none anymore. You know why? Because we have a real mercy seat in heaven with real sinless blood covering that seat that has paid for every sin and every iniquity and every wickedness that has ever been committed by man. So in Hebrews 9.11 says, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come. If you're sick, there are good things to come. Because Jesus is the high priest over all good things to come. What did God say? He says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. He says, there are thoughts of good. They're good thoughts to bring you peace and an accepted end. So he knows what he's thinking about us. And he says, and I have a high priest that shed his blood for you, gave his life for you, and he's going to minister over nothing but good things to come for you. So when God comes for somebody, he's not coming to tell them what a dirty, rotten person they are. He's coming with good things all the time. And he says, neither, he says here, good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. I'm talking about the one in heaven. It says, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, not of some earthly building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So Jesus did it one time because what he did is to last eternally. The high priest, earthly high priest, had to go every year, every year, every year, every year. And Jesus says, nope. He said, I'm going to stop all of this. He says, I'll make one sacrifice once and for all. And I will take my own blood in and I will put it on the mercy seat. And I will sit there at my throne and minister over every need and over every request that's ever given. So God's, the blood of Jesus speaks mercy. That's the greatest voice that there is in the realm of the spirit is the voice of mercy. For he says here, for the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works. In other words, there is nothing else you need to do in order to receive from God. 
There is nothing else that you can do to prove to God how sincere you are about what you desire from him. There's, he says, once and for all, he purges your conscience from dead works. That's dead works meaning what you did wrong in your life. The guilt that goes with it and the fear that you'll do it again. You know, sometimes we do pretty good with the past and then we're scary about the future. Huh? Well, if your conscience is purged from dead works, you know if he got you out of the, the condemnation from the last nonsense you carried on, he will get you out of condemnation for new nonsense you carry on. So we don't have to be afraid to step out in faith and step out and know that God's with us. And if we, he ain't with us, we, uh, Jesus, oh, okay, well, let me go back here and wait for you to, you understand what I'm saying? No harm, no foul. Because why? The blood of Jesus speaks better things. It purges your conscience from dead works, from the fear of being responsible for something that you did wrong. Jesus says, okay, be responsible, but blame it on me. Put it on me. Because I carried your sin away. I did this so that you could have a life free to serve me and to worship me. And there would never be any interruption in our relationship. So the blood of Jesus has caused mercy to come into our lives in an eternal way. So he entered in with his own blood. And this is what stops the devil dead in his tracks. Because now that Jesus has taken care of everything that separates us from God, then there is no limit to what we can do for God because the enemy's voice is silenced. See, the devil will always tell you the reason you're here is because you did this and you did that. And the voice of mercy says, yes, you did. But if you will tell me about it, I forgive you over and over and over again. And I cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the way mercy talks. And the Bible says his mercy lasts forever. God is only angry for a short time, it says. He ain't like us. Huh? You know, if we find Miss So-and-so, who was our third grade teacher, man, I mean, she'd hear it. Now I'm big enough to get in her face and cuss her out. I got something to tell her about she made me stand up in the corner for three hours. Huh? And so his voice is, is not like ours. His voice of mercy speaks forever. Mercy is the loudest voice in the realm of the Spirit. Did you know that? It's the loudest voice in the realm of the Spirit. It is the final voice in the realm of the Spirit. Because when he put that blood on the mercy seat, if there was something the devil could have done to stop that man, he'd have done it. Huh? He would have done it. The Bible says that that Lucifer was the anointed cherub that covered. So he covered the mercy seat when he was in heaven. And he was able to try and start an insurrection in heaven, and he got kicked out. So if he's not guarding the mercy seat anymore because he's kicked down down in hell, guess what Jesus can do? He can put his blood on it. He can make it offerings for anybody to come to his mercy throne of grace and receive mercy. That's why the Bible tells us to come boldly through the throne of grace. You belong there. We can come boldly without stopping and confident. And he says, when you get there, you will find mercy and you will find grace to help you in your time of need. So God's door to you is never closed. 
And his mercy never runs out and endures forever. So mercy is the strongest voice. You don't want to remind God of why he needs to do something for you. All you need to do is understand that the blood stops the devil right in his tracks. It stops him cold right where he is. So mercy stops the devil because the blood of Jesus speaks better things. Better things than your symptoms. It speaks healing when you're sick. It speaks deliverance when you're oppressed. It speaks prosperity when you have need, financially, material, anything. His, 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 uh, his blood speaks. The Bible says his mercy hovers over us. And in Psalm 23 it says, Surely we have a covenant of mercy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Which means that when the enemy is speaking to you that you didn't do this right and you don't deserve that and you don't really, you say, you know what, devil, look behind me. What do you see following me? Huh? What do you see following me? Huh? You don't even have to tell. He knows what's behind you. The Bible says mercy follows you all the days of your life. Huh? So all you have to do is show him your back. And he knows what's following you. That's why Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because he's going to run into mercy. Huh? And he's going to know his legalism and his accusation is silenced by the voice of mercy. Mercy stops them dead in their tracks. That is the greatest thing we have going for us as believers. To know that we are forgiven And that God's grace and his mercy are there for us. Grace enables you to be able to do the right thing. Mercy is what God gives to you when you can't do the right thing. Mercy is what he gives to us to enable us. So mercy is the loudest voice in the realm of the spirit. The devil is immobilized when mercy is involved. I'm sure when Jesus went through hell and showed the devil that he had gotten the keys to his, his garage where he parks himself. Huh? You know it ain't fine down there. It's probably just a garage, barely. It's a hole is what it is. So he is immobilized by the mercy of God. Romans 3.25 says that we have faith in his blood. You've got to put your faith In the fact that that blood shed, covers, and takes care of everything. Every single need that you have. You have to have confidence that God knows what he's doing. Romans 5, 9 says that we are justified by his blood. In other words, your works of righteousness ain't what God's impressed by. He's impressed by the blood of Jesus. He's impressed that somebody who qualified... By obeying all of his rules and giving up his life for many, shed that blood. And that blood is what sits on that mercy seat and talks for us and talks through us. Love and mercy equal the shed and righteous blood of the Lamb. The Bible says mercy came through Jesus Christ, through his act of, of sacrifice. And these are the powerful forces that stopped the devil in his tracks. It's not our speaking to him. 
even though we have to do that because we have to use our authority in order for God to use his. Why? Because we still have dominion on this earth. But I'm going to tell you something. When, when you speak to the devil, when you rebuke sickness, when you rebuke symptoms, when you rebuke the devil to leave your finances, and, and you know, your voice is not what he hears in the spirit. Huh? The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he if you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And you, you'll say something, well, Satan, I command you to get off my finances. You know what he hears in the spirit? Go! Huh? You may say it in your own volume. How do you account for the fact that some can say it loud, some say it <laughs> soft, some say it? They ain't hearing what we're saying. Because our voices are amplified by the blood of Jesus, by what's on that mercy seat. It's that voice, that blood that's really speaking to him in the realm of the Spirit. So when you take authority, you can take it in any voice you want to take it in. And if you do it in faith, trust me, honey, the devil hears a much louder voice that stops him dead in his tracks. Why? Because mercy is the loudest voice and the final voice in the realm of the Spirit. So when you are blood-bought and you tap into that voice of mercy, that voice speaks in a way that he will never. Anybody ever walked in a room and the devils get on alert? Like, you can see it on their faces. Somebody, you know I'm talking about your face, Michelle. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Or things will stop immediately. And you didn't say nothing. Well, you walked in because you have his blood dwelling in you now. You're the body of Christ. Do you know blood flows through everybody that's alive? You walked in. The, the fact that you showed up dressed in the blood spoke volumes to them, and they knew to shut up and move out of your way. Huh? I've seen it. You know, y'all know I've seen it, but you know what I'm saying. You have no clue what's backing you and behind you sometimes that speaks for you. In ways that you can't even utter, in ways that you don't even understand. Sometimes you're trying to make friends with people, and they, they're so scared. Somebody, this voice is screaming at me about you. Yes. Huh? It's a voice of mercy. Because a lot of times we don't know people. We don't know how to discern people. And that voice is telling me, you better stay away from me. You better stay. You better stay. Huh? Amen. It's something to praise God about. So don't lament the people that you can't just make your friend. Or, you know, they don't like me. Trying to tell you, honey, you don't know what they're hearing. Huh? Because the voice of mercy is a, is a kind voice to the believer. It's a, a soothing voice. It's a loving voice to us. The Bible says that it is a savor of life to life to those who have life in them. We hear it differently than they hear it. You know, they hear it's like, you know, if you got a, anybody got a, a dog, they're very, their hearing's very sensitive. You know, you hear a, a bang like that and they, you know, just all alert and, and upset some of them because their hearing's different. Well, the, in the realm of the spirit, the hearing of the demon is different than the hearing of the believer toward the voice of God. 
When God speaks to us, we have a covenant. He is our Father, and we're His children. The Bible says you can run to Him and call Him Abba, Father. But the devil says, Abba, oh, let me out of here. I don't want to mess them Abba folks up there. I want to have nothing to do with them Christians. Huh? Because that voice. I believe you all know Sarah Palin, who's running for vice president. She's a spirit-filled Christian. And I believe wherever she shows up, this is what these people hear. This is why they drive her so crazy. Just picking at her and, you know, no. Because when a spirit-filled believer, that voice, that blood is speaking to them demons, honey. And you know the people, the press people think they own the world anyway. How many of you pray that media prayer and break the power of the fourth estate? They think they run stuff, honey. But see, when a believer shows up, they say, how in the world did one of them get into our domain? Huh? The blood of Jesus is speaking to put people where God wants them to be. (laughs) Same thing will happen to you. I don't care what you're running for and what you're running from. When that voice speaks from heaven, them demons hear it the same way, and it stops them dead in his track. When the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. You said, well, how did all that take place? Honey, it's things going in the spirit you wouldn't know about. But I'm telling you, the voice on that mercy seat talks for us, talks for our lives, speaks to situations. And that mercy of God will chase away everything. It stops the devil dead in his tracks. Huh? In Exodus 12:13, you see the, the situation of the children of Israel about the blood being visible to God. He told them what? He said, when you get ready to leave here, you ain't leaving cheap, baby. He said, I don't want no broke folk walking through the desert whining to me all day long. He says, when you leave here, he said, you're going to leave with a high hand. He said, I want you to go to your neighbors and borrow not their leftovers, huh? but borrow their jewelry, Everything. And you know them people gave it to him willingly. Huh? God said, take everything. He said, because they owe it to you because you've been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And that's just your severance pay. That's what you're supposed to get anyway. You think God's a thief? He ain't no thief, honey. He gives you what you have earned. And the Egyptians had enslaved the Hebrew people and made them work for nothing. <clears throat> and they worked so well God was with them. You know, the pyramids are still standing as a testament to God and what he can do through a people. Even if you enslave them, he will cause them to build things that last forever. Engineers right now can't figure out. You know how engineers can put everything on a formula to figure out that, you know, know, this and this. They can't figure out a formula to understand how those monuments are still standing. Mm -hmm. Supernaturally. God helping his people. They tell you you got to produce. You're going to produce it. They put you on a quote and tell you got to produce a certain amount. Thank you, Lord. Stand up. See, you shouldn't sit on the front. Come here, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord says, don't be afraid of the demand that they put on you. Because they put it on me, says the Lord. And my voice says you can make it. You can do it. And you'll do more besides, says the Spirit of God. Yeah. See, the blood says 
You can do it. He doesn't care what kind of restrictions people put on you and make you do certain things. And if you want to keep this job, you got to produce. God ain't scared of that. He will cause you to be able to produce. Just like he did, he's got a history of helping him people to produce. Even with a mean boss over you, a hard taskmaster, he will cause you to be productive even in Pharaoh's house. So don't be afraid of their requirements. Don't be afraid of their restrictions. Don't be afraid of what man would, would, would make you do or expect of you. Because you can do it. With God's help, you can do it. So in Exodus 12:13, God cut them loose with their severance pay. They couldn't leave Egypt till they got paid for all in 400 years. That's why they had so much. They had enough jewelry that when they melted it down, they made a golden calf out of it. And this was a big thing. It wasn't a tchotchke that you put on top of your mantelpiece. Huh? It was an idol. It was big enough for them to worship. I mean, they didn't have sense enough to hold on to the money till God came for it, just like us. Get your paycheck and you go spend it before God tells you what to do with it. That's why you're back on your face again, slobbering, begging for enough to pay your bills. But that's another story. Huh? <laughs> but he told them, go to your neighbors, borrow their jewelry, their fine things, because you're going to need them. And they were going out to the water. No boat. Huh? <laughs> Pitch dark. So what did God do? He did a miracle to cause that Red Sea to part. And the Bible says they didn't go over slipping and sliding on the mud either. They said walked over like on dry land. Hello. He even waited for them to get enough confidence to cross. Because he parted the Red Sea like round midnight. Round midnight. Where you going? You understand what I'm saying? That ought to wake everybody up. But the Bible says there was a wall of water on either side all night long. And they said, well, I guess if he kept it up all night, maybe it's safe for us to cross. It's like some of us. God's been telling us to do something for the longest time, and we still worry, am I going to make it through it? You might need to just kick you right on in there and see for yourself if you're going to make it through. You ain't going to get nothing standing on the shore. Oh, that's for somebody else. That's totally different. But God told them as they left, they were to eat a Passover meal. And this was very important because it symbolized the body of Jesus coming into them to sustain them, to give them new life, new vigor, and new energy. Just like we do in communion. In communion, we cut the covenant with God. It reminds us what he said. This do and remind yourself of me and what I did for you. And that my blood was shed to help you in your weakness, to take away that which is trying to destroy you, to help you. And so they cut the covenant meal with God. And he told them to give this lamb that you have killed. Don't waste any of it. Give it to your neighbors. Give it to anybody who wants it. Give it to your servants. He said, I'm taking you out with everything you possess, and I'll get you safely over to the other side. And he said, and while you're, before you eat your meal, take the blood from the animal that you've killed for the meal and put it over the doorpost. And he says, when you put that blood up there, 
and I see that blood, he said, I'm going to stop the devil in his tracks. The devil won't come behind you to try to get you back in bondage again. The devil won't come behind you to try to put you back in sickness again. This affliction will not come back a second time. Because when I see that blood, that blood speaks, it's done forever. My mercy endures forever. Well, God, I don't know. I just let the sickness come back. It doesn't matter. My mercy endures forever. I see the blood. Plead the blood. Declare my word. Speak about what my blood has done for you. My goodness, how do we apply the blood in our lives? Just by speaking the word. Because the blood of Jesus runs through your body now as a born-again believer. So when you speak the word of God, when you plead the blood of Jesus, when you make that your plea in the court of heaven, my goodness, they you didn't mess your money up again. Looking at three pair of shoes and trying to act like you don't know how they got in your closet. Well, you know how they got in there. Huh? Well, here you done messed it up again. Well, Father, I thank you that your blood speaks better things. And your blood speaks that when I say I'm guilty, you can wipe it all away. Can I keep the shoes? No. He knows, the Bible says, you know I'm just dust. And David says, you know, I know no difference, you know. But your plea, you enter a plea of the blood of Jesus. That's your plea. What do you plead? I plead the blood. Because it has paid for my weakness for shoes. It's paid for my weakness for, you know, Twinkies. It's paid for my weakness. Collard greens. It's paid for my weakness. Ham hocks. It's paid for my hmm? The blood of Jesus has paid for that. And now that you've entered a plea of the blood, then Jesus has permission to answer on your behalf. The Bible says he is your advocate. Huh? Everybody needs a lawyer. Trust me. You can go out being just, you know, as innocent as you please and somebody mention your name in the wrong way. And there you got a notice coming to your house. Everybody needs a lawyer. But your plea has to be one that will render you harmless in every accusation. So when the devil says, well, you know what? They're sick now because they abuse their health with what and what and what and what. And you say, yes, guilty. I enter a plea of the blood of Jesus. That is paid for my, uh, my stupidity, my negligence, my arrogance in doing it anyway. When people told me it was going to get me in trouble, I did it anyway. The blood of Jesus pays for all that when you enter that plea. And then the blood begins to talk from the mercy seat because it can only speak mercy now. God can't accuse you of anything when you're blood bought. Did you know that? Even God can't accuse you of anything. Because there's nothing. You say, you know what, God? I don't think that's your voice. Huh? Because you've already told me I'm forgiven. And you told me that Jesus had paid for all my sins, past, present, and future. Huh? 
And now I'm letting the mercy of God talk to me and speak better things. And God says, get up and get started. You're still in the race. Get up and take them shoes back and get that money and pay that gas bill like you know you're supposed to. You're still in the race. Get up and do the right thing. My kids ain't no thieves. Render to Caesar what he is. Huh? But he will strengthen you. The blood of Jesus speaks strength to those of us who are covered by the blood. The, shed, the blood had to be shed on earth to cover our sins. It was shed at Calvary to atone for our sins. And Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. They didn't kill him. He laid it down. He looked at Pilate and said, don't you know you can't do nothing to me unless my father tells you you can? Huh? So he willingly laid down. There was more going on in this thing than the people of the world and the people of the church thought was going on. God sees Jesus' blood all the time because it's on the mercy seat in heaven where God and Jesus reside. So whenever he looks down at the earth and things going on on the earth, he looks at it through the mercy, shed blood that's on the mercy seat. When Jesus walked the earth and he did miracles, you know, the Bible says that when people came up to him, he would touch them and they would be healed. The Lord showed me this. He said, the Bible says because he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and God said now if he took them as a sinful man they would have remained on him no wait we get each other sickness all the time <coughs> don't tell me y'all don't know what I'm talking about we get it through hereditary disease mom and daddy had this I guess I raise my hand Put your hand down. Huh? You're blood bought. You got a new daddy. You got a new inheritance. You have to receive that. But you know what I'm talking about. Men take on other men's illnesses, infirmities, sins, all of that kind of stuff. Take on woes. You ever been around somebody who's not feeling feeling a little blue? Girl, stop going. You're gonna make me cry too. I just you. Or sometimes you just start crying with them because. We're touched with the feelings of one another's weaknesses. So the human soul, it's easy for us to carry stuff. But when God saw it on Jesus, he had a whole different view about the sickness that was put on Jesus. When people went to Jesus in faith and they said, please heal me. And the Bible says he took it away. And when, when the Father God saw it was placed on his sinless son, he removed it immediately. He took it from us, and the Father took it immediately off of him. Why? Because he was sinless. There was no grounds for him to leave that on his son. And for us now, there's no grounds for us, him to leave it on us either. Because he sees us through his son's blood. And that blood speaks mercy. So anything that bugs you, whenever you're ready to turn it loose, you can let it go because he sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you as somebody who is sinless, somebody who is bought and purchased with that blood, but he does not allow that to rest on you. If it's resting on you, it's illegal and it's against the will of God. 
Because Jesus paid for you to be treated just like he was treated in those situations. Why did Jesus not get sick? The Bible says himself took our infirmities and bore, carried our sicknesses. When he was ministering, he took them. It was just like this. You take this and pass it. That's my sickness. Give it to the Father. And he took it right away. Here's more sickness, Jesus. Give it to him. More sickness, Jesus. Give it to him. More sickness. Give it to him. You understand what I'm saying? It could not stay on him because he took it from us as somebody who can handle it and get it to the right place. He was not sick. He was touched. That's as much as he was touched. In a healing line was as much as he got touched with it. And when we do healing meetings, he's touched the same way because he lives in me and it's taken right off off of me to you, onto him, and it's gone. Taken away, born away, never to be seen anymore. That's why the Bible says this affliction will not rise up a second time because it's gone. And then the blood speaks mercy. That blood stops them dead in its tracks. If you're lying in bed and you don't feel well, God, I don't know what to do. I just plead the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And it stops them dead in their tracks. Even the faintest voice. The Bible says that the children of Israel sighed. And God heard it and sent deliverance to them. They were just so overwhelmed with oppression and work. All I could And God heard it. It came to him as a prayer, as a request for deliverance. Never underestimate what God will do for a blood-bought child. Because that blood speaks louder than any voice anywhere when mercy comes into your life, folks. Mercy is the omega word in your life if you're blood-bought. The Bible says his mercy endures forever. That's the last word God's ever going to speak anywhere is is the word of mercy. When you minister to people who don't know the Lord, that's his mercy coming at them. Because it comes, the blood comes at the mercy seat and it invites that person. Let me take that life away from you. Let me take that sin away from you. Let me take this away from you and let you enter into a new life. That's why people come under what we call conviction. Because mercy speaks so loudly in the earth. It is the loudest final voice that anybody could ever utter. When Jesus left the earth, what was the last voice that he uttered there? Forgive them, Father. That's the voice of mercy. They know what they not know what they do, and then he said, It is finished. That means it's over for the devil. When he talks about finished, he means the works of darkness oppressing people are over. Huh? It doesn't mean he was through with what he was doing on the cross. It means it's over for you, devil. Huh? And he has a voice that stops the devil dead in his tracks. And it speaks from the mercy seat, from the throne of grace. His mercy endures forever. You can never sin so much that God won't forgive you. Nobody can ever be so bad that that blood won't cleanse them. Because mercy is much greater than condemnation. It's much greater than any kind of judgment. It's much greater. Mercy overtakes judgment every time. Judgment is done for vengeance purposes. God didn't say my vengeance endures forever. He said my mercy endures forever. 
You know, for yourself, sometimes you get mad at people and you one day you just hugging on them and you forgot you're mad. Huh? <laughs> because you can't live out of that. It's, it's hard to live out of being angry. I mean, it's, it's tough. I done tried it. <laughs> yeah, we've all tried it. But it's hard living like, why? Because we are created. There's so much mercy surrounding God. There's so much goodness surrounding God that it makes it hard to live out of anything else other than his mercy. That's what keeps you ministering to family members and trying to tell them, accept Jesus as your Savior. Give your life to him because mercy endures forever. You will always have a word for them. Always. So God sees Jesus' blood all the time in heaven because it covers the mercy seat. And this is the altar over which Jesus ministers, over the innocent, pure, shed blood that he took into the heavenly tabernacle. So he ministers for earthly needs through this blood, by virtue of this blood. And it causes God the Father's heart to be overwhelmed with compassion. If you as a parent saw one of your kids making a sacrifice for someone, you would rush in to help them. Oh, look at my child trying to help this person. Let me go and, and take this burden off of my child because I don't want my child to be in jeopardy trying to help this person. This is normal for human beings and parents who are responsible to want to cover their children. Well, that's the way God sees the mercy seat of Jesus. He sees that blood. He said, my son went through all of what he went through for them. It doesn't matter so much to God how people respond to that blood. It's how he responds to it that makes the difference. That's why when Jesus would go out and touch people, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Because mercy is so overwhelming to want to help people and to want to pull them over into righteousness and pull them over into every good thing that God ordained for you to have in your life. See, his mercy will always move. Because compassion always moves. It moved Jesus when he was here on earth. And that's compassion of God the Father when he sees us struggling and he sees us helpless. The Bible says, as a father pitieth his children, the Lord has mercy and compassion toward us. And so God wants everybody to be able to take advantage of his compassion and his mercy. So Jesus is ministering to us ministers out of he is always merciful always merciful god has mercy on those who don't even know him but his mercy is always given to those who worship him those who obey him and those who have covenant with him he sends mercy after us in every situation there's no reason why you should expect harsh treatment from anybody If you obey God, you make yourself vulnerable sometimes to man. But God will always bring mercy into it so that you can get your needs met. You don't have to strive with man. You don't have to be doubtful that you're going to be treated fairly. You don't have to fear anything because God's mercy endures forever. He's ever merciful, the Bible says, and lendeth. That means he gives out to you, even when you don't deserve it sometimes. So God is able to meet you in every situation with his mercy. His mercy and compassion are what drive the healing ministry. He doesn't care about anything. The only thing he cares about is that you come to him believing. 
So why don't we pray? And if anybody wants to get prayer, you come on up for prayer and put on some music. <clears throat> put on the last song that we end.